1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God, and it is the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am, seated right now in Christ Jesus, the heavenly realms, the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine, and I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert, my spirit is receptive, as I'm taught the Word of God. My life has changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. Give five people a high five before you take your seat again. I'll have to look it up, but when the Lord spoke to me in January of 2018 about doing these meetings and also told me to quit fooling around, I didn't think I was fooling around. I thought I was doing a good job, but he told me to quit fooling around and get Faith Christian Center paid off. That was January of 2018. I'll have to look it up, but we owed, we owed millions and millions of dollars, and uh, just three and a half years later, Faith Christian Center doesn't owe any man anything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, uh, and not just that, last year in the year of the Rona, <laughs> the uh, donated income of Faith Christian Center was up 51%. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So... <laughs> I remember after I went to uh, Mombasa and preached Prosperity Revival, a series of messages. I think I did that here at the old location up on I-30 in 1998, then went and preached that in Mombasa. A year later, I was there. And, or no, Bud came the next time he came to see us in Arlington. He said, it works. Hallelujah. Well, I know it works. Amen. You know why it works? Because we serve the God who cannot lie. So our job is not to make it work. Our job is to believe what God has said, confess what God has said, and act like what God has said is so. So our topic this week, by the way, the message tonight is divided over the next, over tonight and tomorrow night. Why this waste? Why this waste? My topic this week is mastering money. Either money will master you or you will master money. What did God say to Cain before he murdered his younger brother? over money, over the fact that Abel gave God his first fruits and Cain gave God some of the fruits of his labor. 
Genesis 4, 6, then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. So we must master sin or sin will master us. We must master money or money will master us. I don't believe God ever intended for money to push the people of God around. I don't believe it was ever the will of God for us to be subjects to money. Revelation 5, 9, and 10, and they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. A uh, similar passage, 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Now, you may be a nobody to this world out here, but if you are a born-again child of the living God, you are somebody to God. Today through Friday evening, I'm continuing the series I began in August of 2018, then continued in August of 2019, August of 2020, Mastering Money. You know, everybody has to have money. Everybody needs to be able to pay their bills. Everybody needs money to educate their children. Everyone needs money to give their children the good things of life. You know, it's August, so everybody in America, I guess I can't say that anymore, everybody in America, because, you know, the unions are seeing to it that a lot of schools will never reopen, ever. But anywhere people are, have a place to send their children to school, it's August, so they're having to buy new pants, new shoes, because, you know, children outgrow everything. Good clothes and good shoes, and then you need money to enjoy life with your wife or your husband. And so God wants us to be blessed. God wants you to be able to pay your bills. God wants you to be able to not just pay your bills. God wants you to have money left over. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and God is able. Say it out loud. God is able. God is able. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times. Say in all things at all times. In all things at all times. Having all that you need. Say it out loud. Having all that I need. Having all that I need. You will abound in every good work. So you can't really think about being a volunteer in the ministry or helping with this or helping with that if, if you don't have bread to put on your table for your children. You can't really think about being a blessing to God's kingdom or giving into a missions offering or doing anything above and beyond for the kingdom of God if, if your children don't have shoes. So this is God's plan for your life, that you have all that you need and you abound. God is trying to bring you into a good place. And God is not for poverty because poverty is not a blessing. Poverty is a curse. God takes pleasure. Actually, the Bible says God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his people. God takes pleasure in our prosperity. Psalm 35, 27, let them shout for joy and be sad. Is that what it says? Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. And, you know, I have to admit, we don't often deal with that last phrase, that favor my righteous cause. See, it's all tied together. Being involved in the work of God, being involved in the mission of God, being involved in the purpose of God. 
That's what brings us to a prosperous place. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And so God delights in our prosperity. God doesn't delight in poverty. <coughs> We're teaching on mastering money. Because if you don't learn to tithe your income, that is to give the first dime out of every dollar, well, you're not even in the running to be blessed by God. John Osteen used to teach it exactly the way my home pastor in Detroit taught it, M.D. Beal, and that is the tithe belongs to God. Amen. You don't make a contribution to the electric company, do you? You don't make a contribution to the mortgage company, do you? No, you pay your bills. And so you haven't actually given anything to God until the tithes are paid. Sure, you can do whatever you can do in your natural strength. But I'm talking about learning how to walk in the blessing of the Lord. And no child of God can walk in the blessing of the Lord walking in disobedience to the word of God. You know, the world says it's a, it's a term of the world. There's, there's going to be hell to pay. But I think actually maybe that could be a saying in, the, in Christendom. Because there's only one place in the entirety of the Word of God. God says, test me in this. And a lot of the people that I have attempted to pastor, they never tested God on the tithe but I'm sure they're testing right now an experimental liquid being injected into their body. Let's see, what am I going to test? Tell your neighbor, I'd rather be a guinea pig for God than a guinea pig for Fauci. Because God won't hurt me. You know, when David disobeyed and had uh, the fighting men of Israel counted and the Lord sends the prophet. You can fall into the hands of God for three days or you can fall into the hands of man or you can, you, you can David cried out and said, I, I don't want to fall into the hands of man. I'll, I'll, I'll put myself in the hands of God because at the end of the day, he's not going to hurt us. Now, he might reprove us, he might rebuke us, he might coach us. But he says, test me in this. And yet a lot of people, they won't even try it out. Then you need to learn how to give into the gospel above and beyond. The tithe is led by the Holy Spirit to help win people to Jesus. And not just that, but you know, every Friday we have checks that go out to ministries that emphasize the poor. Every Friday we send checks to feed the hungry. And, you know, I thought it was really interesting that the head of Feed the Ministry did a video thanking Faith Christian Center. They wouldn't do that. You understand how economics work. They wouldn't do that unless we were way up at the top in giving. You understand? I mean, they don't go to page 10 and, and do an hour video, an hour of time for a video for somebody that gave $13 last year. And that's why Faith Christian Center sends checks every Friday, not just to ministries that are a blessing to the poor, but ministries that emphasize evangelism. Do you want to be blessed by God? Well, you need to learn how to honor God with your wealth, honor God with your money, and learn how to master your money. Not let money push you around. 
Paul never said that money was evil. Paul said that it was the love of money that was the root of all evil. And if you can't see that in 2020, 2021, then you ain't, you're, not, you're just not paying attention. Because everything going on is about the money and everything going on is about human beings controlling other human beings. It doesn't have anything to do with health care. If it had anything to do with health care, they'd be talking about early treatment. But nobody's talking, I mean, nobody is even allowed to talk about early treatment because then the, the video gets pulled off Facebook, YouTube, all of it. It's about money. If there's, any, any, if there's ever any evil, wicked thing going on, you can't figure it out, it's about the money. Amen. The reason so many of God's people fail to master money the reason so many of God's people are mastered by money rather than mastering money is they've never tied on to the thing that is closest to God's heart, and that is God's work, God's mission, and God's house. Now, you could have nothing and love money, or you could have a million dollars and not love money. You could have nothing and not love money, or you could have a million dollars and love money. So it's not about the amount of money. It's about the heart. He that is faithful with little will also be faithful with much. And he that is not faithful with little will also not be faithful with much. Luke 16, 10. Whoever can be trusted, this is Jesus. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. I love the King James there too. It says, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is also unjust in the much. Verse 11, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And he's not just talking about giving us more to manage in this life. He's talking about what we will be put in charge of during the millennium. Because if we haven't been, I mean, you might be saved, you might be born again, but if you have not been trustworthy managing little, why would God put you in charge of, let's say, managing the United Kingdom or Russia in the millennium. He might put you in charge of uh, Tangiers or something. Something that's a mess anyway. Amen. Maybe put you in charge of New Orleans. <laughs> but I know where I can get breakfast in New Orleans. I know that. If you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property... I never cease to be amazed at people that uh, work for us and they're not faithful. And uh, then they think they're going to go somewhere and, and do great. It doesn't work like that. You have to be faithful where you are. Tell your neighbor, you got to be faithful where you are. If you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Say it out loud five times. I cannot serve both God and money. 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 And you come to a place in God where it's easy. Sue says, that's my problem. She says, your problem is you make it look easy. 
And you understand, it doesn't matter what kind of job somebody's doing around here. I, I, I look at people doing this or that, and I think, well, I did that. You know, I remember when in my first position, I was the guy that arranged and organized and did summer day camp for the children of the church where we worked. Yeah. I drove the van over. There used to be a fire engine museum over in Grand Prairie. I, I, I took children to the fire engine museum. I'm the guy that... When the kids went to camp, I was the one that chaperoned uh, and went with the kids to camp. I did all that. Sue was a school teacher in the first school we pioneered. We did all that. I ran the school, the first school we pioneered. I did it myself. I did all that. Bookkeeping, I've done all that. Done every job. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I was a custodian in my father's Ford dealership. And it's insane. It's amazing, really, that I'm in great shape because they used discarded oil drums as trash cans, 55-gallon oil barrels. That's what they used for trash cans. We'd put them on a dolly, and they would fill them up with, like, oil filters and stuff like that back before the EPA. And, I mean, they were heavy, and I'd dolly them out there to the dumpster and pick them up and dump the contents into the dumpster. I've done all that. I've done all that. I've done all that. I ain't doing it no more. I mean, people want to, they, they want to think like, well, you know, I want his schedule and I, I want his duties and I, I want the microphone. Well, it doesn't work like that. You have to prove yourself right where you are and then also, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. I don't know how many people I've... I've been preaching... I mean, I know I look good, but I've been preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ 48 years, and I couldn't count the people I've come across who wanted to pretend they had a call. You can't manufacture a call. Evidence. So if you're faithful with what God has already given you, he'll give you more. Tell your neighbor, if you're faithful with what God has given you, he'll give you more. Romans 8.32, he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Graciously give us all things. See, you got to renew your mind. You might say, when are we going to get off of this? When you get it. Because we have to renew our minds to the fact that he will, say it out loud, my great Father God will graciously give us all things. Graciously. I remember, well, we have this study course called Bridges of Faith. Here's a bridge for you that you're not going to see in print. But my father would do this thing with me where he would, when we would visit up there, he would insist on going to eat where he wanted to eat and he would insist on me ordering what he ordered and then he would go to a discount mall and he would it was a dance and a discount mall name brand shoes but like seconds and he'd make me it basically the bottom line is it was like a routine where I had to beg for a pair of 
shoes that were seconds and marked down. And I remember the trip. And I just made up my mind. I was going to pick a fight. <laughs> and so we went to this horrible place. And I won't mention the name, but, you know, there's nothing to eat at Applebee's. <laughs> and so, you know, I ordered a salad. Why are you eating a salad? Well, you know, I'm trying to control my weight. Well, he was mad about that. Then we go to the discount mall, and we go to the discount shoe store in the discount mall, and he said, well, what do you think you'd like to have? I said, nothing from here. <laughs> and I was on the dog doo-doo list, man, I'm telling you. But you see, it was a bridge I had to cross. I ain't begging. I ain't doing the dance. I ain't wearing seconds. The only reason I'm in a discount anything is because, you know, I'm with my parents. I'm trying to honor my parents, but I ain't wearing this stuff. Amen. And people get mad. You know, we hear from our own people. Well, I brought a visitor, and they said you weren't humble. Well, you could live the rest of your life and not be in the presence of somebody in my office. So why would I act like the custodian? Why would I act like some beggar? See, even if you don't know who I am, I know who I am. Well, he's not humble. He doesn't ride a donkey and wear sandals like Jesus. Well, that just ain't going to happen. The devil has got a hundred thousand different ways to goad you and bully you into submission on money because a broke Christian is no threat to what Satan's got going. And if you haven't figured it out, it's not Christian people who are bullies and it's not conservative people out here who are bullies. It's Satan's people who are bullies and it's liberals who are bullies. Amen. Amen. And so this is what Satan does is he just wants to bully you. And it's a bridge. And I'm not saying you have to cross it. Do what you want. But I crossed it. I just came to a place where it didn't matter to me what people thought. Amen. Amen. And now we, we don't owe any money on anything here. And so now when people say, you know, I'm going to leave and I'm, I'm going to take my $5 with me. Well, it didn't used to matter, but now it really doesn't matter. Are you hearing me, church? Amen. And what kind of person has a threatening attitude? Amen. Say it out loud. God's work. God's mission, God's, mission. God's, house. God's house. See, he'll graciously give us all things. If God gave heaven's best so that mankind could be saved, God is saying, I'll give you whatever you need if you'll just be interested in getting the gospel out to the world. And now, I hope you understand the United States of America is a mission field. So we are to reach the unreachable. We are to touch the untouchable. We are to love the unlovable. That's our plan. That's our goal. 
What is the purpose of prosperity for God's people? Deuteronomy 8.18, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms this covenant which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. And so the founders of this country, the forefathers, they were the Puritans. They were, they were Bible believers. And they came here for religious freedom and religious liberty. And God blessed them. And God blessed the United States of America. And if you take the giving the people of the United States of America give, even today, we give more money than all the other nations of the earth put together. But it was God that made this country what it is. But we promptly abandoned him when we built our goodly houses and we came into our fat place and we, we were blessed by the Lord. We promptly abandoned him and we were like the ancient Israelites and we wanted to be like the other nations and we were like Solomon and we went, a serve, we went serving other gods, the gods of other nations and now we've come under judgment. But it is the Lord who gives you the ability to produce wealth. The King James says, that giveth thee power to get wealth. It's the Lord. And why? That he may establish his covenant. That he may establish his covenant. And so what we're doing right now, it's the, I mean, it's just the most amazing thing in the world. Rather than exporting all over the world, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, rather than exporting all over the world what the Bible says about prosperity and success and wealth creation, we're importing the failed policies of socialism and communism. I mean, how many times do we have to try lockdowns? Well, the same thing is true of communism. I mean, really, how many times does the world have to try communism to prove that it ends up in tyranny and poverty? I mean... Gee whiz, communism has only killed 110 million people around the world. Let's try it again. But it is because we weren't faithful to the one that made us. We weren't faithful to the one that gave us this success. We weren't faithful to the one who gave us this prosperity. Now, why does God want you to have that wealth? Because that he tells you that he may establish his covenant in the earth. I mean, don't you think it would be a good thing if, if we had the facilities and St. Paul's was so endowed? Now, don't get excited because we're not there. But don't you think it would be, it would be great if, if we had the facilities and St. Paul's was so endowed that we didn't even have to charge tuition? I mean, because now every child that we get out of a public school is probably a child saved from an eternity without God. It's a mission field right now. And actually, it's worse than that because it could be a child that's saved from a lifetime of ignorance because I don't even know that they're going to reopen the schools ever. It's amazing. You know, if you just had the money. There's so much money. A guy just spent, I don't know how many billions of dollars to get a little ride around the earth in space. I mean, it's amazing. 
could have given every American whatever it was, $100, $150 million or whatever. I mean, just for a little joyride. You probably have vehicles that go that fast. You know, he could have got that for free. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. There's so much money. There's oceans of money out there. And yet God's people want to, they, they enjoy doing without. The purpose of prosperity for the child of God is to establish the covenant of, the, of God on the earth. That's the purpose for the Christian having money, that he may establish his covenant. Say it out loud. The purpose for a Christian being wealthy is to establish the covenant of God in the earth. So my goal is to get you, talk you into, to stop living a little life. Tie on to the bigger picture. Get your life connected to something greater than yourself. And instead of allowing money to master you, you learn how to master money by tying on to what is closest to the heart of God. That's God's mission and God's work and God's house. If I could just get you tied onto God, if I could just get you tied onto the thing that is closest to the heart of God, I know that God would bless you like you've never even thought possible. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, say immeasurably more. more. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is a work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Months ago I was praying in the morning and I was thinking about a particular minister of the gospel that marked us very early in our lives. And the Lord spoke to me, and I was surprised at what the Lord said. He said, I don't know why you're thinking about him. You passed him a long time ago. And then I got reacquainted with my best friend from my high school days. I didn't know it because he never really had a presence online, but he pioneered a church in Houston the same year we pioneered Faith Christian Center. And we had not connected all those years I hadn't even spoken to him since 1978, so our paths were not parallel. And so what he was exposed to was not the same as what I was exposed to. And he was telling me about a conference he had been at where a man who at one time pastored what was probably the largest full gospel church in America and this other minister I referred to a moment ago were having lunch and this friend from high school was there and they were discussing ways to get their debt paid off. And he said it sounded to me like it was a bunch of multi-level schemes and a bunch of Ponzi schemes. And that church, which had probably been at one point the largest full gospel church in America, it got wiped out by debt. Gone. 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 And I was meditating on that the other day, and the Lord said, they have the same Bible you had. They had the same word you had, but he said they had a prejudice against what they called the prosperity gospel. And he said what they should have done was thought to themselves, we have all this debt, we needed some prosperity. I mean, really. But they can't put it together. See, prejudices hinder people. Because when you, go, when you go to the Word of God, you ought to have the attitude, it doesn't matter what prejudice I have, I'm going to go with what God has said. 
And so I just, I read these verses and see the challenge is not just for you to hear these verses. The, the challenge is for you to assimilate this word into your mind, to renew your mind to the word of God. So you don't think worldly and you don't think via prejudices from your upbringing or your mom or your dad. You know, Sue tells a story about her dad getting elected to the board of the church where they attended when she was in grade school and junior high school and high school and <clears throat> how grieved she was because he would come home and talk about, you know, all their strategies for keeping the preacher broke. It's a prejudice. Whereas over at the synagogue, they have an entirely different set of prejudices. Man, we got we to get right on this. Because not only are we not doing a good job on evangelism around the world, we lost our country. I only know of one Christian billionaire, and there ought to be dozens and dozens and dozens. The reason so many Christians are mastered by money instead of mastering money is they never saw themselves as engines for the work of God. They never saw themselves as paymasters for God's work and God's mission and God's house. And I just don't believe anybody's got the right to hear the gospel twice until everybody's heard the gospel once. And we live in a country literally where people have heard the word and heard the word and heard the word and rejected the word, rejected the word, rejected the word. And while they're rejecting the word, there's a lot of the world that's never heard the gospel one time. So learn to master your money and God will give you more. Show yourself to be a good steward over money and God will give you more. We can pray, we can give, we can go. We need to shake ourselves to where we're faithful over the little money we have so our Father God can trust us with more and put more into our hands. And unfortunately, and I've got to, I've got to admit it's happened here, many have tried to use God and use His Word and use faith to get more for therefore no more. Well, God won't bless that. You know, it's kind of sad to me, but I'll go back and watch special meetings like this week from years gone by and look across the front row on the crowd shots. And it's, it's kind of sad how many sat here at one time and thought they would go to school on me and they would learn how to use faith and use God and use the word to get what they wanted in life. And it may work for a while, but God will see it and God won't bless it. We have got to work in tandem. We have got to work harnessed up to the gospel. It's the only way. And then also, that's what keeps our hearts right. If we think we're going to use God and use faith and use the word of faith message so that uh, we can just do what we want, it won't work. It may work for a while, but it won't work long term. That's the love of money. I said, that's the love of money. That's money for money's sake, and God won't bless it. Tell your neighbor, God won't bless money for money's sake. Far, far too many of God's people love money. That's why they won't tithe. They don't love Jesus. They don't love the lost. They, they love money. You know, the Lord told me a couple of years back, he said, you have men in your church, and they don't even work full time. I mean, even if all of your needs are met, wouldn't you want to make more so you could give more? Amen. Yeah, but Pastor Gene, you know, in just 392 months, I'm going to have my double wide completely paid off. 
Well, that's the mentality we got we to get rid of. Amen. Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Just look what's happened to our country. Anything that could help people that is cheap, you can't talk about online. Anything over the counter that would help people in early treatment, you can't talk about online. But if it's some really expensive something from some drug company that contributes to your congressmen and your senators, well, you can talk about it all you want. I thought it was about helping people. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now, when we read these words, we think of rich folk. I want you to... Hear me read this verse again and think of poor folk. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. You don't have to be rich to love money. You can be poor and love money. The love of money, not money, the love of money. It's not money that is the root of all evil. It is the love of money that is the root of all evil. And far, far, far too many of God's people love money, and that's why they won't tithe. They don't love Jesus. They don't love the lost. They love money. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I didn't come all the way down here on a Sunday night in the rain to hear this. Well, it's what I'm dishing out. So master your money or your money will master you. See, you're going to either serve money or money will serve you. Poor people may say, he's not talking to me. And rich people may say, he's not talking to me. And the middle class folk may say, he's not talking to me. Well, I'm talking to all of you. So whatever level you're at right now, learn to master your money or your money will master you. Learn to master your money, and God will give you more. Now, let's go to Mark 14, 3, and we're going to be here tonight and then this and in Monday night. Mark 14, 3. While he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of a man named, known as Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. Say it out loud, very expensive perfume. Very expensive perfume. And I know... You can't even relate to this. <laughs> God bless you. He's not talking about what they sell at Tom Thumb. <laughs> he, he, he's not talking about Old Spice. <laughs> Made a pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of money? My, my, sounds like the faith critics. Why this waste of money? Now, I know none of you good people would ever say that about us Remodeling a perfectly good building. And you don't know the story of how it started. 
few weeks back, Aaron Wood took me out to the fellowship atrium in front of the information booth, and he showed me a piece of tile that had cracked. And he said, how do you want to handle this? Because we have some tile left over from construction. How do you want to handle this? You want to replace that piece, or should we replace, you know, like a square yard to make it match and the grout? How do you want to handle it? And I said, well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And isn't that what they whip churches and ministries with? And they rebuked her harshly. The King James says they murmured against her. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you. You know why the poor you will always have with you? Because there's always... Somebody who's lazy, there's always alcohol, there's always crack, there's always meth. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. What was she doing? She was giving in to the anointing. I mean, think about it. In, in 6,000 years of human history, there was only one point in time the Son of God himself was preparing to go to the cross and she gave and she got criticized for it. Now what if she had thought, well, I'll back up because of the criticism and I'll do this next week. Well, he would have been gone. Verse 8, she did what she could. Jesus said she did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for my burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And here we are 2,000 years later telling it. Then Judas. Tell your neighbor, I met him. Tell the neighbor on the other side, I, I've met several of them. <laughs> then Judas, shout it out loud, then Judas. <laughs> then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. My, my, my. Notice, well, let me back up. I'm sure it was a coincidence. Right? No, it wasn't a coincidence. I want you to take note of the timing. Then Judas, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. So when did Judas go to the chief priest to betray the Son of Man? When envy and jealousy manifested themselves in his life, the love of money. Money, 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 money. Money. <laughs> Verse 11, they were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. So what was this really about? The money. The religious leaders promised Judas what? 
money. It was about what? Money. It was about the love of money. And it's just amazing to me. You're, you're, you're in a room with a man because he never one time called himself the son of God. He only called himself the son of man. You're sitting in a room with a man who could multiply loaves and fishes, tell Peter where to go fishing to find gold coins, command the winds and the waves, and he's going to sell out this man for 30 pieces of silver. Now, we don't know what, silver, what those silver pieces weighed, but let's say they were an ounce each. Well, 30 pieces of silver at $13, what is that? $390, is that right? You're not going to help me at all, are you? <laughs> the Son of God. who could multiply loaves and fishes at will, who could tell Peter where to go fishing and find gold coins, not silver, gold. And we know elsewhere from John's gospel that Judas was the treasurer and he was a thief and he helped himself to whatever was in the bag. Now I'm continuing this series on mastering money and my desire is to so get us saturated with the thoughts of God about him wanting to bless us and to let us live in abundance and have enough to pay our bills and have enough to take care of our children and to send them to school and college and to evangelize the world that the devil won't stand a chance ever talking us out of it. We need to be fully persuaded. Shout it out loud. Fully persuaded. And you don't get fully persuaded overnight. You don't get fully persuaded in one service. I know people have gone overboard on prosperity. I'm fully aware of that. But you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. The truth is that God put Adam and Eve in the garden where there was abundance. He didn't put him in the Sahara Desert. He put him in the Garden of Eden. And God made one of his first friends, Abraham, very rich in cattle and silver and gold. And we see abundance all the way through the Bible among God's men and women. If God expects us to evangelize the world, we've got to have the money to do it. But if you're struggling to pay your bills and you don't have any food in your cupboard, how in the world can you ever fulfill the Great Commission? God has put it into my heart. He has spoken to me and said that Faith Christian Center is to be an example to the church nationwide of what God will do if, God will if God's people will just obey him on money. Amen. You start. Amen. You have to start. You got to start. I don't know how many times I've rehearsed this, but Sue and I started out, I made, I think, $5,300 working the first year full-time, part-time while going to school full-time, and she made... $5,100 and change working full-time while she was going to TCU part-time, and we were tithing. Never never not tithe, tithing. And, uh, and we would give into special offerings and missions offerings and, you know, at our level, at our level. But you got to start. And then he's rebuked me along the way and given me course corrections along the way and given me opportunities along the way to give. And this Saturday, it'll be 45 years since we got married and started out. 45 years. Deuteronomy 1.11, Moses told the people of God, God wants to bless you a thousand times. 
And I always thought that was an outrageous verse, but this past Monday, the Lord told me to go in the house and look it up, and I went in the house and looked it up, and he has blessed us 890,000 times since we had it out 44 and 51 weeks ago. But God's people have never seen it. That God's system of economics is designed to not cost the believer anything. God's system to, to evangelize the world was designed to never cost the believer a thing because we give and it's given back unto us. I think I heard somebody say that, right? Luke 6, 38. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Will God cause men to give into your bosom? But God's people, they just haven't believed it. They haven't taken action on it. So the plan of God is for souls. We're right now living in the last years, maybe the last months, or even the last weeks of gathering in the harvest. This is it. I'm telling my family, this is it. Yeah, everything I do. Sue is surprised. You know, I booked a trip to go back and eat at my favorite restaurant in America. I said, I'm going to go do it one more time. The Lord's coming. Amen. Tell your neighbor, he sounds like a broken record. <laughs> but I'm telling you, Amen. the Lord's coming. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And this old world's not going to miss us at all. They're going to be like those Nazis, and they're going to move in and take our stuff. And they'll be welcome to it. Because we will be safe and secure on the other side. Hallelujah. So the plan of God is for souls, but the plan of God is also for finances because it takes finances to do everything we do. Now, Jesus didn't say go into all the world and gather up all the folks on the social registers of the world. No, he said go into all the world and preach this gospel to every nation. And you couldn't find a church like this. I don't know where you could find a church like this where the nations of the earth gather every Sunday. And through our online broadcast, we're reaching the nations of the earth every seven days. Ireland, United Kingdom, South Africa, those poor folks in Australia, New Zealand, living in a police state. People from Dubai, places like Dubai are watching us online. The gospel shall be preached to every Amen. kindred and tongue and nation and tribe, and then the end shall come. Amen. And the world thinks the internet is for them. The internet is to get the gospel of, all over the world. Amen. And our message is not for the so-called elite. Our message is for regular folk. You don't have to be a so-called elite of this world to prosper. You can be a regular person blessed by God. Before they closed, a lot of churches were nothing but social gathering places for the so-called elite where the elite could meet, make business, contacts. But don't you get it? Those churches are closed. The church, is a, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is not for social contacts and business deals. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is a bunch of former sinners saved by grace, now made saints, now made new creations in Christ who have a desire to obey Jesus. 
And Jesus said, I want the church to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature because every creature has the right to hear the gospel. Since we pioneered Faith Christian Center, we've given away, given away 12% of all donated monies into missions and world evangelism. But now that Faith Christian Center has no debt, I'd like to walk that 12% on up to 15%, 20%. We're not preaching these messages because we're starving to death here at Faith Christian Center and living in need. And I'm not preaching these messages because, you know, I need lunch money tomorrow. We came to work the first staff meeting of 2021, and they told me what I, Sue and I gave into the gospel last year. And I, I mean, I'm the guy in charge, and I couldn't believe it. $825,000. And I didn't even know I'd done it. You know, I'm just, I'm just, you know, giving along the way and giving to this and giving to that and double tithing and doing what I do. And I did square some things up because of how well we did last year in the stock market. And, you know, but I mean, I didn't think it was $825,000, but it was. Tell your neighbor, he doesn't need your money. And that's why people give me money. Ain't nobody here going and giving somebody money that that needs it. When was the last time you gave your brother-in-law money? You're not giving your money to somebody that needs it. You're giving it your money into the anointing. Amen. Amen. And the gospel. That's what offends people. See, that's why they don't want those churches in Canada meeting. I, I, I watched a podcast from one of those pastors in Canada. They've sent him to jail twice. And he said they don't want us meeting because he said we, we, we gather together. He has, I think, 400 or so in his church. And he said nobody gets sick. He said they can't allow that. They can't allow it because it doesn't go along with the narrative. And so they don't want to hear about how you serve God and pulled ahead. If you don't believe what I'm telling you, just go to Thanksgiving, drive up in a, a Mercedes or something, and go in the door and tell them, praise God, look in the driveway, look what God has done since we started tithing. And see what kind of reaction you get. You've probably already tried it. <laughs> the world, see, brothers in Christ will be happy for you when you pull ahead. But you can't expect the world to be happy for you when you pull ahead. God's way. Now, we're not preaching these messages because we're starving to death. Everything we have at Faith Christian Center is paid for. We have something about like $25 million in assets and not a dime of debt on any of it. And not only that, we have reserves. So we're not fundraising. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are blessed by the Lord. Lift both hands up and say, we are blessed by the Lord. Shout it out loud again. We are blessed by the Lord. And we're preaching these messages to try and talk you into believing that what we are walking in. We're walking in it. We want you to walk in it. Because God wants all of his children to walk in covenant with him and to be blessed. So we're not begging people for money. We want want to walk in such abundance and prosperity that we'll be able to do more than we've ever been able to do before to reach out to the unreached and to tell the world. I love it. I love the fact that we're not worried about costs. I love it. 
I love the fact that we can say online, if you give your life to Jesus, write to us and we'll send you a, a, a book that I wrote free of charge. I love it. I love it. Anytime, 37 and a half years, anytime anybody in jail or prison anywhere writes to us and asks for materials, all 37 and a half years, even when we were not blessed by the Lord like this, we always send it out free, 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 free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because we are blessed by the Lord. Amen. 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 Shout it again. We are blessed by the Lord. Lord. I love it. I love it. I don't know how many books Jonathan Shuttlesworth has given away. We send them up there by the case. Give them away. Amen. Use all you want. Amen. Tell us when you need more. Amen. Amen. Not worried about what it costs. Does it look like we're worried about what it costs? No. Amen. Amen. Be a blessing, see? And then God will come along and bless you more. The windows of heaven will open up above you, and you'll wonder where it all comes from. We want to walk in such abundance and prosperity, we'll be able to do more than ever to reach out to this world and to tell the world about Jesus, to reach the unreachable, to touch the untouchable, and to love the unlovable. And someone's got to stand. In these last days, I said, somebody's got to stand and represent the Lord Jesus Christ and to tell people who have never heard the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ about what Jesus has done for them. We just can't live our little lives and be unconcerned while the world around us goes to hell. I don't know if you figured it out, but this is the darkest age that man has ever lived in. I don't know if you figured it out, but freedom is coming to an end. I don't know if you figured it out, but the light of liberty is growing dim. I don't know if you figured it out, but if they had their way, they would shut down every church. Jesus said in John 4, we must work while it's day because the night is coming when no man can work. About a year or two years back, I, I was just dragging. And I was out praying. And I was just dragging. And I told the Lord, I said, I, I don't mean to complain, but I'm dragging. I'm just, you know, I'm just feeling it a little bit. And he said, he's so sweet. He's so kind. He's so loving. He's so gracious. He speaks to us so kindly. And he said, son, the time for rest is coming. But he said, we. And I loved it that he put it in the plural because he was saying I was his partner in the work. He said, we must work while it's day because the night is coming when no man can work. And if you haven't figured it out, the night is coming. This world is not getting brighter with the gospel. It's getting darker. And we must work while it's day because the night is coming. And if you haven't figured it out yet, the government responds to a virus with a 99.8% recovery rate was designed to close the churches and to stop the gospel in its tracks. We are right now seeing the media giants clamp down on any speech they don't like. Travel has been restricted like never before. It's harder to get into other countries than ever before. The time window of light for this dark world is closing. The, the, the light of liberty is being shut down. We don't have decades to win the lost and to do what we're going to do for Jesus. We only have years or maybe months or maybe weeks to win the lost and to do what we're going to do for Jesus. That's it. This is it. 
and then it will all be over and our ability to win anybody else to Jesus will be over and our ability to increase our eternal reward will be over. Someone might say, Pastor, you're thinking big. Well, I've got a big God. I said, I've got a big God and he doesn't have a little vision for your life. You might have a little vision for your life, but God's got a big vision for your life. And God doesn't have a little vision for Faith Christian Center. You know, God's got a sense of humor. He really does. Because there are people, and I think that they would like to think that what we have done is not significant or it's not important or it's not big. And then Austin goes online and looks up how many people are subscribed to us on YouTube versus some of those highfalutin people that think they're ahead of us. And we're twice, a, twice as far ahead of them. And I think the Lord has a sense of humor, but also I know this, that if you actually teach the Word of God, the Word of God works. Theories, ideas, opinion don't work. And people now that the window of liberty is closing, now that the light of the gospel is growing dim in the earth, people are looking for Word. Where are they going to find Word? Where are they going to find a church where there's Word? And I know good people. They write to me. They write to me. I know good people, and they go to church where they are. They find the best they can find where they are. But right now, all over America, they're watching. All over the world, they're watching because they can't find word. Because somebody talked these preachers into believing that if you didn't have the Bible in your sermons, your church would grow. And if you talked about pop psychology, your church would grow. And all you had to do to make your church grow was where have spiky hair and uh, wear t-shirts and work out clothes and have your wife dressed like a 17-year-old hooker and your church would grow. Well, we're not doing any of that. Amen. We're preaching the Word of God here. Amen. And we owe no man anything but the debt of love. Amen. Somebody shout glory to God. So with all these travel restrictions in place, our ability to reach the world via the Internet's more important than ever. Not only that, how many Americans are locked down? See, we take it all for granted. Here in Texas, we go vacation in Florida, we take it all for granted, but a lot of America is still locked down, and they're talking about locking down again. I think they ought to lock down, they ought to take that shot 30 times, I think they ought to put a plastic bag over their head to make sure they're real safe, I think they ought to just get on with it, and leave us the heck alone, amen, amen. hallelujah, because we are going to work while it's day, and we are going to make more than we have ever made, and we are going to tithe more than we have ever tithed, and we are going to give more than we have ever given, and we are going to stand with God, and we are going to stand with the Word of God until the end. And it won't take us no six and a half billion dollars to get into space. I'll tell you that right now. When Gabriel blows that trumpet and when Father God says, come up hither, hallelujah, we are going to have us a space ride, hallelujah. Can somebody say glory to God? And that'll be totally perfectly safe. Hallelujah.
No man will be able to screw that up, I'll tell you that. And we're close. So our ability to broadcast our services worldwide is more important than ever. And it's more important than ever because even when they're open, most American churches no longer have any word in them. They're dedicated to entertaining the goats with pomp psychology or so they can build their, num so they can build their numbers. Or they're doing trump -olatry. You know when Apostle Pillow Guy... I'm talking to you idolaters out there. You need to get off all of that and get back to the Bible. But that, see, that, all of that's not the Great Commission. Many will say to me on that day, Lordy, Lordy, did we not prophesy in your name? And he will tell them plainly, away from me, you evildoers, because I don't even know you. So we preach his word. Amen. We don't preach personalities. Amen. We don't preach theories, Amen. ideas, Amen. opinions, yeah. pop psychology, or any of it. The Great Commission is to preach what Jesus preached. The Great Commission is to preach what the apostles preached. You want to know what they preached? Look at Acts 3.19. Repent then. Oh my goodness. Tell your neighbor three times, oh my goodness. Repent then. That's the gospel. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. And say it out loud, we are well able to do it. And now that Faith Christian Center is paid off, we're not going to sit back and take it easy. No, we're going to stretch our faith and do more and make more money and give more than ever before. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And God says he'll give seed to the sower. 2 Corinthians 9, 10, and 11, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed, your store of seed, your store of seed, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So while we're doing all this, and God's people have never figured this out, but we have. Say it out loud. We have, we have. that while we're, be, while we're doers of the Word of God, our store of seed grows. Now, we're not counting on that, but it's nice. I don't know. It's just something about it. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm odd. Maybe it's just me. But it's easier to believe God when you have millions of dollars than when you ain't got five cents. Somehow it's just easier. It's easier. You know, we're doing this refreshing on the building, and they come to me and they say, well, this is going to cost this. And I say, my answer is the same all the time. I don't care what it costs. Yeah, but, and then, but now the furniture is not going to go with what the, we're doing in the cafe. We'll replace it. Amen. Yeah, but it's going to cost. I don't care what it costs. 
I assure you, I wasn't doing that 15 years ago when we moved in here. <laughs> and we owed $12 million. <laughs> it's easier. Take my word for it. It's easier. Hallelujah. But prosperity and the gospel go hand in hand for the believer. Now, not for these billionaires. See, that's the problem. People look at famous people and they, they think, well, I want to be like that. You can't be like that and be born again. You can't be like that and, and walk in what I'm preaching this week. The gospel and God's prosperity go hand in hand. They, they operate in tandem. And when God's people don't prosper, they can't think about winning the world to Jesus because they're too worried about putting bread on the table for their children. And here's something people don't think about. When you give, you become like God because God is a giver and God is a lover. Say it out loud. God is a giver and God is a lover. And so when God's own people aren't givers and when God's own people aren't lovers, are they God's own people? Because God loved, he gave. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. There's no faith on the planet that has a book that says anything even remotely like that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God, and this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. When you give, you draw close to God. We know this because Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. When you give, you produce joy. When you give, you produce joy. I mean, the first time Tiff Shuttlesworth spoke for us, if I remember right, it was the largest honorarium you'd ever received in your entire life. Am I right on that? And he, didn't sp he spoke for us on Sunday morning. Do I, do I remember this right? Yeah. Did you have any joy over that? <laughs> but you understand, to us it's nothing. Amen. To us it's not. This is the world we live in. This is Prosperityville. This is the blessing of the Lord, Bill. Amen. You understand? Amen. So when you give, you produce joy. When you give, you produce blessings. When you give, you answer someone else's prayer. Amen. Now let's get back to Mark 14, and we'll spend the rest of our time here a few minutes, and then tomorrow evening in here. So here is a woman who gave. This woman had a desire to bless Jesus. Mark 14, verse 3. She came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She had a heart to give. She had a heart to give to Jesus. She had a heart to bless Jesus. And she came to him and broke open that alabaster box of perfume and anointed Jesus. She anointed Jesus for his coming death and burial from the top of his head all the way down to his feet. And Mark 14, 4 records some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? 
It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. So what did the goody-goodies say? They criticized her, and the King James says they murmured against her, and they said to her, Why this waste? Why this waste of perfume? Did you know there are people who criticize the giving of others and say, Why do you waste your money giving into the gospel? Why do you waste your money giving to that church? And they say things like, well, I wouldn't give my money to no preacher. And when they say things like, well, I wouldn't give my money to no preacher, they mean they wouldn't give any of their $5 to no preacher. It's a very, very common thing at Faith Christian Center for people to give more, to tithe more now than they earned the day I met them. It's a very common thing. So how did, how did you waste money giving into the gospel? If now you're tithing more than you made the year that I earned, the, the year that I met you. I heard it when we pioneered our first mission church in Wazapa, El Salvador, 1985. Pastor Gene, why would you waste money pioneering and building a church in Wazapa, El Salvador, when we, we're still meeting in a hotel? Why this waste of money? And I heard it when we pioneered our second missions church in La Perla, Guatemala. Pastor Gene, why would you waste money pioneering and a church and building a church in La Perla, Guatemala when we don't even have a church to meet in? Why this waste? And I heard it when we pioneered our third and fourth missions churches in Harare Township, Zimbabwe, and Arcadia, Zimbabwe. Pastor Gene, why would you waste money pioneering churches in Harare Township, Zimbabwe, and Arcadia, Zimbabwe, when we don't even have a church to meet in? Why this waste? And I heard it when we pioneered our fifth missions church in Monterey, Mexico. Pastor Gene, why would you waste money pioneering a church and buying land for a church in Monterey, Mexico, when we don't even have a church in? Why this waste? And I heard it when we pioneered our sixth missions church in Valle de la Flores, Mexico. Pastor Gene, why would you waste money pioneering a church in Valle de la Flores, Mexico, when we don't even have a church to meet in? Why this waste? And I heard it when we pioneered our seventh missions church in Mexico City. Pastor Gene, why would you waste money pioneering a church in Mexico City when we don't even have a church to meet in? Why this waste? And I heard it when we pioneered our eighth missions church in Veracruz, Mexico. Pastor Gene, why would you waste money pioneering a church in Veracruz, Mexico, when we don't even have a church to meet in? Why this waste? And over these years, we have pioneered 38 churches and given away $12 million. And guess what? God saw and God rewarded and God blessed. Lift up both hands and say, God saw, God saw. and God rewarded, God rewarded. and God blessed. God Any money we send out telling people about Jesus is not wasted. That is not God talking. That's the devil talking. Anytime you hear anybody saying, why this waste? That's not God talking. That's the devil talking. Why is there always a cry of people saying we spend too much time on offerings? 
Or we spend too much time talking about prosperity. Or we spend too much time talking about world evangelism. Or we spend too much time talking about raising money for evangelistic events. Why this waste? You know, <laughs> we have uh, minister friends coming in this week, and the truth is that many, many years ago, they were young, we were young, and they had a little difficulty dealing with some real rascals we had in the church back in those days. And it wasn't just them. Sue and I were young, and we didn't have that much experience. You know, we weren't rattlesnake whisperers yet. <laughs> And we're sitting at the house, and Sue said to me, she said, we don't have any of that anymore. She said, what happened? She said, we don't have any of that anymore. And I, I began weeping. And I said, I'll tell you exactly when it happened. The last time Bud Sickler was with us, missionary Bud Sickler, a lot of you don't know that name, but he was a missionary in Kenya. He began what they called upcountry Kenya, in the interior of Kenya. When he and Faye got there, forget about the gospel, forget about churches, forget about anything having to do with Jesus. They weren't even wearing clothes. And then they felt the call of God to move down to the coast to Mombasa, which was completely Muslim, and it still is Muslim. T.L. Osborne preached his first crusade in Kenya there on the island of Mombasa, and then later Bud bought that piece of land where, where, where T.L. Osborne held his first crusade. Was that 57? 1957. And out of that crusade, there were so many thousands of young people born again that they, they went to Bible school, and then they went and they pioneered churches. 7,000 churches got pioneered out of that. I was on a flight one night from St. Louis to London with T.L. Osborne, and, you know, of course, we're sitting in first class. What do you think? And, and he told me, he said, he said, you wonder why I have an affinity for Bud Sickler? He said, he said, I preach just as good everywhere. I preached all over the world. But he said, nobody came up with 7,000 churches but Bud Sickler. And the last time he was with us, missionary Bud Sickler, back up at I-30, uh, he comes in, he's preaching, I think it was Sunday night. Was he there in the morning or just at night? He was there in the morning. He gets there in the morning, and he looked terrible. At that point, he would have been almost 80. I mean, he looked terrible. It's who said, Bud, you look terrible. What's going on? Well, you know, because, of course, jet lag. But he said he spent his last night in Kenya at a certain hotel, and he ordered room service, and he ordered spaghetti with marinara sauce, and he said, you know, he said, I tasted it, it didn't taste right, but he said, it takes so long to get room service, and I wanted to eat and go to bed, so he said, I ate it. Well, he had food poisoning, then he gets on a jet to London, then he's got food poisoning plus jet lag. Then he gets on a, a flight to the United States. So now he's got food poisoning and then double jet lag. And he shows up at Cathedral of Praise on a Sunday morning. Sue said, Bud, you look terrible. 
What's going on? He told us the story. And Sue said, well, but... You have no idea how even telling the story, I am baptized in the favor and the gratitude and the love of God. And Sue said, but I, I know this. So I, I've got the cure for jet lag. And Bud said, what's that? She said, the Concord. See, how could she have talked about the Concord if we hadn't flown the Concord? See, you can't talk about a lot of stuff that might be a blessing to somebody because you ain't ever done it. You know, the ladies, when Sue first started doing the ladies' retreat, and doing the ladies' retreats at Four Seasons and doing the ladies' retreats at Ritz-Carlton, you know, it was like, oh my gosh. The towels don't have holes in them. <laughs> and then they misunderstood. Look at all these snacks in the room. But they didn't know those peanuts were $15. <laughs> but if you don't experience it, if somebody doesn't take you there, if you don't taste and see that the Lord is good, how are you ever going to know that the Lord is good? She said, but I, I got the cure for jet lag. He said, what's that? She said, the Concorde. Oh, he went into a tirade. I've always wanted to fly the Concorde because he was a pilot. He had a plane. He flew all over, all over Africa, pioneering those 7,000 churches. I've always wanted to fly the Concorde. It's been my life's ambition. And, you know, he went on and on. And then he, we, we did church. He spoke. We did a church offering. He spoke. Then I did his offering. And uh, the band was up there doing the final song. And I'm, I'm sitting on the front row. And the Lord spoke to me. And I went back up, and I said, we're going to receive another offering. I said, I have no idea how much money it costs to bump up Bud's ticket to a Concorde flight back. But I said, whatever it is, we're going to do it. I said, y'all give whatever you want to give, but whatever it costs, we're going to do it. And it turned out it was about 7,000 and change came in, and that's exactly what it was, 7,000 and change. Tell your neighbor, the Lord knows what he's doing. And I get out there to the fellowship atrium. And a woman, man, she just tore me a new one. And she was, she was mean. She was mean about it. Well, I never saw such a waste. I've never seen, I have never seen such an abuse of God's people and such a waste of money. And she tore me a new one. But that was the turning point for everything for us. Because that's why we don't have trouble in this church. The Lord just showed it to me. That from that point forward, we have walked in such favor. And he told me, my, he told me himself here a few years ago, he said, my defense of you is ferocious. And the last time that great apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ crossed the Atlantic was on a Concord 
and it wasn't but a few short months, just weeks later, he went to be with the Lord. And Pastor Joshua Akali, who may be watching this service in Mombasa right now, said that's all he could talk about from the time he got home till the time he went to be with the Lord. And he said it was, he managed to work it into every sermon as an illustration. (laughs) Why this waste? God doesn't care about money. God cares about people. And if you will be about his work and his mission and his house, he'll fund whatever you got going. And that poor woman, she died a horrible death a few years later. And she was at least 20 years younger than me. A horrible death. But here's Pastor Gene and I'm still wasting money. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.